0: This is Getting I to Know Your Bible, 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 a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. In day.
1: Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate your watching. Today I want to discuss a topic that's, that's based on a passage of scripture deep in the Old Testament from the prophet Jeremiah, and it's entitled, The Summer is Ended. Now this is not a seasonal sermon. This is, this is something you could talk about any time of the year, but we want to talk about that, that particular topic today, The Summer is Ended. I hope that you'll continue to watch as we discuss that today. Oh, Know Your Bible. We offer a free Bible Correspondence course and I I would like to emphasize that this course is free. And and you're not going to get the course and then later get a bill from us for it. Uh, we just don't do that. We, we, we provide this free of charge because we'd like to help you get to know your Bible. And there's no ulterior motive at all in doing this. And, and so today we, we're going to make that available. We have thousands of people all over the United States and all 50 of the states and many foreign countries that are studying this course. And and so many people are, are, are writing back to us and letting us know how much this has benefited them. And many people have been saved as a result of studying these courses. We want you to have it. And in order that you might know how to receive the course, in order that you might learn a little bit more about the course itself, then we would like to pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 71-5214. 711 5214
1: I'd like to read now from Jeremiah the 8th chapter in verse number 20 The harvest is past the summer is ended and we are not saved God's people were under attack by people from a foreign country, and they were expecting deliverance. But but deliverance from the enemy from afar had not come, and thus the plaintive cry the harvest is past, the summer is ended, but we're not saved, that is, we've not been delivered. You know, summer and harvest are, are fit seasons for action. That, that would be the time of the year to take the field, to subdue an enemy, and to bring about the deliverance of an oppressed people because the winter that follows would not be a very fit season for action. It's an infinitely, infinitely alarming thing when opportunities are lost for, for bringing about the deliverance of, of an oppressed people. And there are many people today in different countries of the world who are oppressed. And, and, it's, and it's a terrible thing when, when we lose opportunities for helping these people. But I'll tell you something that is even more tragic. And that's when opportunities are lost for bringing about the, the spiritual deliverance of a people that are oppressed by sin. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved is descriptive of those who having trifled away all of the gracious opportunities of life are found at the end of life unforgiven and unprepared to meet God. Friends, summer is the time of life. Summer is really the time that children play. They don't take any thought about what's going to be on tomorrow. But then one day the summer coat comes to a close. And the summer of life is the time when many make many plans and they have good intentions. This is the time when some people say, well, you know, I'm going to start reading the Bible more. I'm going to start praying more. I'm going to start attending worship services more. This is a time that many people say, well, I'm going to start doing better in my home. I'm going to try to be a better husband. I'm going to try to be a better wife. I'm going to try to be a better father. I'm going to try to be a better mother. The summer of life is the time when many children make certain uh, indications of things they want to do in their lives. But then one day the summer comes to an end. And one day the summer of life will be over for us all. James asked the question when he said, What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. You see, it is appointed unto a man once to die and then cometh the judgment. Hebrews 9, 27. Yes, one day the summer of life is going to end for us all. If we want to die the death of a Christian, we must live the life of a Christian now, while life exists. Right now in the summer of life. But but summer is the time of golden opportunity. Right now in the summer of life is a time of opportunity for for young people. I hope there are many young people that are watching our telecast right now. Because you see, young man and young woman, now is the time for you to give your life to God. Solomon said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's another way of saying you give God the best years of your life. That's another way of saying that you remember God while you're young. That's another way of saying you become a Christian early in life. That's another way of saying you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ and do it right now. You know experience and vindication... Uh, or, or and uh, experience and observation vindicate the wisdom of Solomon on this particular point, because for the most part, those who give their lives to God do so when they're young. Often they don't ever do it at all. This is the time that you have to, to be to live a pure life. You live in a very impure world. there, there there's the music, much of which is very, very impure. There are the television shows, there's the the internet that that contains so many things that are impure and ungodly. You you live in an impure world, but right now is the time for you to live a pure life. Paul told a young man by the name of Timothy, keep yourself pure. You see, you need to march to the tune of a different drummer. You need to keep yourself pure right now in the summer of life. Now in the, in the summer of life is the time as young people that you need to, to have a good influence upon, upon your, your peers. Paul told Timothy to, to be an example of the believers. And you need to be an example of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus and a follower of God. And to be a Christian. And then now is the time that you have to be the kind of a son or the kind of daughter you ought to be to your parents, one day they're going to be gone. And if you've lived a life of disobedience and if you have broken their heart time after time after time, one day you're going to regret it. You'll regret it forever. Oh, I can hear someone say, well, you know, Brother Lambert said, well, one of these days I'm going to settle down and I need to sow my wild oats first. And one day I'm going to settle down and I'll devote my life to Jesus because I know I should. I I know I need to be living a better life than I'm living right now. Someday I'm going to do that, Brother Lambert. You may do that. You you may sow your wild oats while you're young. But I want you to know if you sow to the wind, you're going to reap a whirlwind. Because be sure your sin will find you out. Now's the time. The only time you have as young people to live right, to do right, to live for God. I, I read a story about a little boy who was rather mischievous, and, and his father became rather perplexed as to what to do. He tried to try, He said, "Oh, I'm going to try something else with him." So he said, "Now son, every time you do something bad, I want you to go out here and I have a door out here on a building outside here in the yard. I want you to drive a nail in that door every time you do something bad. It wasn't long until, well, that door just lined with nails. Every nail in that door was a representative of some mischievous thing the little fellow had been doing. And one day the dad looked at it and he went to the little boy and he said, Son, he said, every time you do something good, I want you to go out there and pull one of those nails out of that door. Well, one day the dad went out there and he noticed all the nails were gone. So he complimented his son. He said, I'm so proud of you. He he said, I see that that you've done so many good things that all the nails have been removed from the door. He said, yes, daddy, all the nails are gone, but the holes are still there. And I'll tell you, you may try to experiment with drugs and you may get into alcohol and you may get into into a a life of of, of promiscuity and, and you may think that you're really living But one day, one day you're going to regret it. And even if you do settle down one day and you give your life to God, there's going to be a scar, there's going to be a mark upon you. Oh, God can forgive you, yes. I think God forgave David in the Old Testament for his sin. But David said, my sin is ever before me. There was that mark, he could not forget it. And Paul seemed to have a problem in, in letting the past go because he said, I was a, the chief of sinners. Don't sow to the wind. You're going to reap a whirlwind. And now in the summer of life is the time for those of us who are husbands to be what God intended for a husband to be. Husbands are taught in the Bible to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I'll have to be frank with you, men. that That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? To, to love my wife like Jesus loved the church because, you see, Jesus died for it. The, the love of Jesus for the church was, was an unselfish love. The, the love of Jesus for the church was a serving love. The love that Jesus had for the church was a pure love. The love that Jesus had for the church was a caring, nourishing love. That's the kind of love we're to have for our wives. I remember preaching in a place one time and some man said, Brother Lambert, I need to talk to you. And I could tell the man was, was really upset. And I so he we went in a room and he said, no, Brother Lambda, I've, I've got a serious problem. And he said, my wife's leaving me. He said, I don't know what's wrong. And he, he said, I make X number of dollars every year. And he told me how much money. And he said, I have a sideline job. And he told me how much money he made with a sideline job. And he told me how much equity he had built up in his house. And he told me all about these material things that that he had accumulated. And I'm certain the man did that because he loved his family. But he said to me, Brother Lambert, I, I don't know what to do, and I don't know what I've done wrong. I was a young preacher at that time, and I really didn't know what to say to the man. And frankly, I don't remember what I said to him. But the the, the problem was he gave his wife everything except the one thing she really wanted and the one thing she really needed, and that was him. He spent so much time trying to accumulate worldly stuff. Uh, They could have lived on the income that he had from job number one. He did not need job number two but he just thought he needed that to provide more and more stuff for his family. His family needed him. Do you know there are a lot of wives that live alone? Oh, they live alone. Oh, they have a husband. He comes home from work every day. He comes in, he gets the paper, he sits down in front of the television turns the TV on, goes and gets a glass of tea, rears back in his recliner, and he sits there until his wife calls him to eat his supper, which he eats without almost uttering a word, goes back and watches more television, then gets up and goes to bed. That poor wife may have a husband at home, but she is as surely alone as though he had never come home because he's not interacting with his family. He's not interacting with his wife. He's not interacting with his children. And there are those who become so involved in their jobs with their business and and they pour themselves into their business and they're trying to climb, climb that corporate ladder And then eventually their children are grown and they're gone and their children don't know their daddy. And then after the children are are gone, he and his wife are almost like total strangers. I want to speak to you now and to your heart. Right now in the summer of life is the only time that you have to be the kind of a husband that you ought to be, to love your wife. Let her know that you love her. I I read somewhere that there was a West German survey that said that, that, that men who tell their wives they love them every day and they kiss their wives every day We'll live five years longer. Well, you're looking at a man right now who wants to live just as long as he can. We need to take advantage of the opportunity. Right now in the summer of life is a time of opportunity for those of you who are wives. The Bible has a lot to say about women in the home. And and, and it says that wives are to be submissive to their husbands. That's not a, a slavish mindset. It's you're just following the leadership of of the husband and the family. And lovingly you follow the leadership of the man who says to you, Honey, I love you and I want the best for you and for our family. You need to be the kind of a wife right now that God intended for you to be. Now's the time of opportunity for, for parents Oh, what a solemn responsibility we have for parents. See, see, one day the summer of life is going to be over. Well, one day those children are going to be grown and they're going to be out from under your, your care. And the only opportunity you have is right now. Paul said, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture, in the admonition of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were told by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, The words which I commanded you this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently unto your children. And so never underestimate the power of the Word of God in the training of your children, the teaching of your children. For perhaps one of the greatest things that you can do for your children is to set a good example before them. But but yet another wonderful thing that you can do, a great gift that you can give to your children, is the gift of yourself. You, You give your children time. My wife and I have three children. And over the years that I have been married to my sweet, lovely wife, Especially in their early days, I was gone an awful lot, preaching in other places, preaching in gospel meetings, all all over the land. And one day, I decided to figure up how much time I had been gone from my children. And the best I recall, if I were to add up all of the time I had been gone, it would have been about three years. They, they had missed about three years of their daddy being at home. You see, what have I gained if I save others and I lose my own children? Well, we need to think seriously about how much time we're spending with our children. There was an experiment that was conducted and I have read about this in a number of places in various magazines and forums and so evidently there's some element of, of validity to it. That, that They were trying to find out how much time the average father spent with newborn babies. So, so they wired the cribs of these little fellows and, and then when the father would come and talk to the baby then it would be recorded how much time he spent there. W- would you like to guess how much time the average father was spending with his children? About 30 seven seconds a day can you believe it thirty seven seconds a day Somebody said, "But you don't understand, Billy." He said, "You know, I'm a busy person, and and I've got a lot of things to do. I have a busy schedule. I've got people that I have to see. I, I'm trying to earn a living for my family, and and I'll spend more time with my children. I'm going to try to to to, to make. I'm going to try to find some time to to spend more time with my children, my sons, my daughter." I don't want to be rude, I'm not really in position here where I should be. But friend, you never will find that time. I know personally you'll never find that time. Let me tell you what I learned personally. You have to make time. You never find it, you have to make it. That that might mean that you have to trim your schedule. That that, that might mean that you have to tell somebody else no. I remember a number of years ago that I received a call from a a city far away from where I was preaching. There's a man that died that, that that was an acquaintance of mine and they asked if I would come and have a part in his funeral service. And I told them, no, I will not be able to come. I have another appointment. And unless they're watching right now, they never knew the appointment that I had. It was an appointment with my son to take him fishing. I had disappointed him so many times when he wanted me to do things with him. And I'd have to say, son, I've got to go visit someone in the hospital. I've got to go talk to this family that's having trouble. I've got to go preach over here in this place. I I made time for my son. And I'll tell you, I don't regret it. That I made time for him. And right now is the only opportunity that we have as parents to save our children. Children need a daddy. Daddy. And if you're one of those fathers who's not living with his children I don't know what it's going to take but you need to be a daddy to those children and whether you realize it or not your children want you to be their daddy one of the I think there's almost a an epidemic in America of absent fathers there many women are rearing their children alone because the father is no longer there. In some cases, he just wanted to get out. He wanted his freedom. He did not want to be saddled down with a wife and he didn't want to be saddled down with rearing children. But my friend, you help bring those children into the world and it is your responsibility before God Almighty to stand up on your feet and to be a real man to bring those children up so that one day they can go to heaven. Oh, how we need to do that today. And now's the only time that we have. And the summer of life is the time of opportunity for people that are not saved. You know, the door's open right now. Jesus said, I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. Have you entered in through that door? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I don't know what to do. Well, you believe in Jesus, John 8, 24. You repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3, Acts two thirty eight, Acts 3, 19, Acts 17, 30. You confess your faith in Jesus, Matthew 10, 32, verse 33, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And as a penitent, confessing believer be baptized into Christ in order to be saved because in baptism we come by faith in contact with the blood of Christ that washes us and cleanses us of our sin. There's no power in the water. The power's in the blood. But Paul in Romans 6, 3 and 4 says we're baptized into his death, into the benefits of that death. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The door's open right now. But one day the door is going to be shut. It will be closed. Now is the time you have to make things right with your God. And you need to know that the summer sowing determines the fall harvest. For whatever a man sows, he shall also reap Galatians 6 and verse 7. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap more than you sow. Man won't go out and plant a grain of corn expecting to get one grain of corn in return. He expects to get many in return. And you're going to reap longer than you sow. And I would urge you to give your life to God while you have the opportunity. Don't come to the close of your life and say the harvest is past, the summer ended, and now I'm not saved because now you can be saved you can give your life to the Lord and I'd urge you to do it with all the love of my heart please call for the Bible course today and I would urge you to visit the church of Christ nearest to you and you'll find people who love the Lord who love his word who want to help you go to heaven until we meet again may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer
0: Give me the Bible, holy message shining, my life shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love compiling, till I shall vanish in eternal day. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible Correspondence Course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.